welcome back to the Gentle Catholic Parenting Podcast, where I explore gentle positive principles of parenting through the lens of our Catholic faith. I'm Kim Cameron Smith, and this is episode 31. In today's show, I'm going to look at conflict resolution strategies that you can teach your children. They will encounter conflict in their lives, so these are great skills to learn, and the family is the best place for them to learn them. It's the best place for them to learn how to protect all of their relationships when disagreements arise. So I'm going to focus on sibling conflict in this show. The topic is navigating sibling conflict, but these skills will give them insights that will work in their friendships now, um, in their um, employer-employee relationships later, and in um, you know, their more intimate relationships later in life. So I don't know about you, but when my kids are bickering, it really touches a nerve with me. And I know why, because I love them. I love all of them and cherish them. And I see them in the fullness of their goodness and you know, what a blessing they are. And so I want them to love each other in the same way. And I want them to treat each other kindly. It is um, built into our hearts to want communion and, um, and peace in our families. And so it touches a nerve in us. Um, so, so anyway, some of these are um, really great skills that you can use in any relationship. I think they're really great in sibling relationships. So they, they, our kids will have disagreements. The fact that your kids disagree is actually not a sign that there is a problem in their relationship. Um, at the Gottman Institute, they find that it's not whether um, friends or spouses or whatever disagree, it's how they uh, treat one another in those disagreements. And so in today's show, I'm going to be sharing with you some insights I have about what we can teach our kids about how they manage their own emotions and how they treat one another. Okay, and that's what I'm going to sort of focus on problem-solving skills. So it gives kids solutions that, um, you know, so that, that, you know, these solutions work for everybody instead of looking for a winner in the, in the comp, in a competition. So there are different resolution um, skills or problem solving skills that professionals use. And so in law, um, you know, you're looking to be the winner, but in, when you're in a relationship with somebody that you love, these sort of problem solving activities are to find a solution that works for everybody. All right. So joint problem solving is a great discipline tool to use with kids because it gives your kids practice in considering the viewpoints of others and coming up with workable solutions that satisfy everyone. All right. So one question you may have is, well, should I get involved? Shouldn't, isn't, shouldn't I just step back and let my kids work things out? And I know some parents, and I, and I do too, sometimes I do let kids, or my kids work it out. I sort of listen to see how it's going. And frankly, you're kind of busy with other children or maybe, you know, the you're, you're barbecuing or something. And so you're trying to multitask. And of course, sometimes it's okay to let your kids handle it. But I think, um, you know, to handle their, their problems themselves. But I think that it's a mistake to think our kids are always capable of resolving their conflicts peacefully and in a healthy manner on their own. Sometimes we really do need to step in. Right, so I do see the wisdom in the hands-off approach, but I also think we need to be prudent and sometimes 
um, step in when we are needed. Right. And on, on a lot of it will depend on do our kids have some of the skills that I'm going to touch on today. So there are many skills we can teach our kids in this area. I'm just focusing on one of them. Um, but, you know, if they don't have these skills and really what's going on in the conflict, what's going on, if it's settled, it's usually because, you know, somebody's stronger or more intimidating and the other person backs down. And we hear that the conflict has subsided, but it hasn't subsided in a way that has protected the relationship or protected the hearts of our children. Uh, in, in the book, Nurture Shock, I will link to it uh, in the show notes for this podcast, episode 31. There's one chapter in that book where the authors debunk the myth that kids who grow up with siblings always have better social skills than only children. So it's just not true. It is not true that kids who grow up with siblings have better social skills. It depends on those sibling experiences. So I grabbed a quote from the book. Let me read that to you. Quote, maybe the mistake here was assuming that those thousands upon thousands of interactions with siblings amount to a single positive. Perhaps the opposite is true. Perhaps it's true that children learn poor social skills from those interactions as often as they learn good ones, close quote, right? So what might children be learning in those sibling in interactions? That bullies win, that if they, if they threaten enough, they'll get their way, that if they run fast enough, you know, they can avoid a projectile, right? You know, or if I play the victim loudly enough, um, I will get my way. And so, um, so anyway, you know, how kids experience um, these conflicts and how they view themselves and handle um, their heart and their choices in these moments of tension will that will determine whether they develop um, good social skills in our homes right and, and there are other things that give them social skills like eating dinner together and playing games and such but managing conflict is a critical social skill um, that we want our kids to learn and sometimes they need hands-on guidance sometimes they really do need us so when we do need to intervene when we do need to step in. What is our role? And I would just like to say that our role is not to be a judge. You know, you don't need to be a judge and jury in your children's squabbles. You'll, you'll drive yourself crazy. And ultimately, one child will feel alienated and feel like the loser. So our message is always we are all on the same side. We are a family. So our role as parents is not to be the judge, but to be a mediator and a coach, right? So we want to teach our children some of these skills, guard against bullying, and, you know, we will need to sometimes mediate and, and help our kids come up with workable solutions. So that, that's my sort of, you know, reminder that our role is to be a mediator and a coach, not a judge. In professional mediation, um, the mediator actually ensures that each side has a chance to, uh, you know, state what they, what, what they need. And the mediator ensures that the other side actually hears them. So I think that's a lesson we can learn as parents is that we want to make sure each side is heard and we want to um, check in to say, um, well, you know, Jim, did you hear what Sally said? What, you know, what do you think Sally is saying? Um, 
you know, so we can use those same skills with our children. So that's said, so we're a mediator and a coach. And I think that we need to begin from a Christian foundation. We need to give a few important messages to our kids, not only when they're in conflict, but all the time. Okay, and, the, and one message is, God gave you the siblings you need to become saints. It was not a mistake. He actually put you in the right family. Congratulations. <laughs> so you're, these are the siblings God thought you needed to become very holy. So we want to show our children that they will become a saint through their relationship with their siblings, not in spite of the relationships. They get to practice their virtue muscles, living so closely in a family, and um, uh you know, and you know what? Their siblings will be with them through thick and thin in ways that their friends will not. I will tell you, just think of, um, you know, famous sibling relationships in history where friends came and go, but the siblings were there from them for, for them in the end. You know, I'm thinking of um, Moses and Miriam that, you know, when he was an infant, it was Miriam who saved him from being killed by, you know, shooting him down the river. And later, Moses' brother Aaron helped him lead the Israelites. Remember, Moses didn't actually think he was capable of doing what God asked him to do. But God said, you know, you have Aaron. He will be there to help you. So Aaron helped him. And then one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is when um, when the Israelites were in battle, um, Anytime Moses had his arms lifted, they would begin winning. But if he lowered his arms, they would begin losing. They were in a battle. And so he had to keep his arms raised and his arms were getting tired. And so Aaron um, and another another person um, helped hold up Moses' arms. So his brother literally held his arms up. And so we want to remind our kids that you know, metaphorically, their their siblings in life will be the ones that hold their arms up when their arms f- feel heavy, right? So maybe read that story to your kids and tell them, you know, that you want them to hold one another up. You want them to, to lift each other up and protect one another. Um, and so we can tell our kids that we expect them of this because they are children of God, that they have that goodness in them. So that was, that's the first message we want to give our kids. Another important message, fight Satan by loving your sibling. From the beginning, Satan um, has tried to cause division in families, especially between siblings. Okay? Um, in my middle school CCD class, we've been studying scripture, and um, there are a lot of sibling conflicts in scripture. So think of Cain and Abel and Genesis. Cain killed Abel out of jealousy. There are other um, famous stories. Um, you know, you you <clears throat> when you go through scripture, you are. It is amazing how often jealousy between siblings or a rivalry between them um, leads to destruction. Like the story of Joseph and his brothers. The brothers were jealous because the father preferred Joseph, and so they sold Joseph into slavery, and they told their father that Joseph was dead. A lot of nasty, nasty stuff, right? So, um, you know, tell your, your kids about this. So, and, and so tell them that you want them to resist Satan because Satan wants to divide them and they can just say no. 
one one uh, Ignatian principle that I love is to do the exact opposite of the thing that Satan is tempting you to do. I think it's contra agere or, or some such. So if Satan tempts you, do the do the opposite. So maybe tell them if Satan is tempting them to call their brother a name, instead give them a compliment. Or if they're tempted to hit their sibling, instead give them a small gift or do a favor for them, right? Or pray a Hail Mary or an Our Father. Just do something to reach out to God. Ask God to take the desire from you to hurt your sibling and, you know, ask, to cry out to God, God, it is too big for me. I am so angry, right? Or to come to us as the parent and say that we're here if, thing, if an emotion feels too big for them and they can't handle it, we're here to, um, to help them. So um, I'm not suggesting that we tell our kids that disagreeing with a sibling is bad or evil because we will have disagreements. And these disagreements can actually strengthen our relationships. But we need to watch for vices like jealousy and rage and spite to take roots in our hearts. That's true for all Christians. And we want to be careful of that because we can be uh, become very vulnerable to Satan's snares when we do that, right? And so as parents, we want to nurture our children's hearts in virtue. We want to teach our kids the fruits of the Spirit and, and all of the virtues and to use virtue training in our parenting. And there are particular fruits of the Spirit that tend to be missing and squabbles, right? This is as true for us as grown-ups as our kids. Patience, kindness, self-control. Those are the three virtues that tend to be missing in squab family squabbles. So make these virtues part of everyday family conversations. When do we see them in stories and movies and in, and in one another? And when do we start to see ourselves um, succumbing to, um, uh, you know, giving up those virtues and, and succumbing to vices? To, to the vice of impatience and lack of control and such. Okay, so those, those are a few insights that I wanted to share. I do have uh, some practical tips. So I have some things that you want to teach your kids. So uh, tell them that it is okay to talk about their feelings um, with their sibling, to, to focus on what they're feeling instead of attacking the sibling. So that is one of the keys in relationship counseling is that you talk about you, what you're experiencing rather than focusing on the other person and saying, you're always so inconsiderate, you're always doing this or that. You say, I feel hurt when you forget to unload the dishwasher and it's my job to load it. So you know, it, it really, you know, inconveniences. You focus on yourself. So that's one tip to teach your kids. Teach your kids that it's okay to be frustrated or even angry with your sibling, especially if what they're doing is mean or unfair. So there's a difference between anger and rage. Anger is just a natural response to a, a sensed injustice. So it's not something our kids can't control. So tell them that frustration and anger are not wrong, but how they respond to those feelings um, matters. And they can respond to those feelings in ways that protect their dignity and even protects the relationship with their sibling and even builds the relationship and makes it better. So focusing on constructive um, 
you know, being constructive and focusing on the problem rather than attacking the sibling. Um, here's a tip that's really important for older siblings. So older siblings often feel like they have to give and give and give, and they feel like the little siblings are constantly taking their stuff or, you know, um, you know, young, young, really young kids don't understand boundaries that older kids have. And so I try to tell my older kids that it's okay to set limits with their younger siblings. It's okay to set limits with their younger siblings to say, hey, buddy, you know, um, you can play with your balls, but this ball is for my baseball game this Saturday. So I'm putting it here because I, I just want to make sure it stays nice or whatever the case may be. Um, Right. So if your kids don't like wrestling and roughhousing anymore and they don't want their little siblings to be jumping on them, it's OK for them to have a boundary. And then we as the parent need to intercede for the older siblings and help them um, navigate times when the younger siblings aren't uh, respecting those boundaries. All right. And another tip to give to your kids is to remember um, to not only, so the, the first tip was to express your own feelings and to talk about what's going on with you, but the counterpoint to that is to listen to what the other person is saying. And, um, you know, so kids younger than five are not really capable of perspective taking. So a lot of these tips apply to older kids, but we can still uh, coach younger kids in kind of thinking about the viewpoint of another sibling. Um, but it it'll be difficult for them because their cognitive development isn't quite there yet. But older kids are capable of just pausing and thinking about what the other person is saying, like really listening. Because sometimes when we're upset, we have a hard time hearing the other person and we're just waiting to say the next thing we want to say. So that's a good reminder. So those, those were four little you know, do's that um, you might want to teach your kids. So talk about your own feelings, listen to your siblings' feelings. It's okay to be frustrated or angry, but uh, express those in a way that protect your dignity and your relationship with your sibling. And it's okay to set limits with your siblings, okay? Um, so here's a, a, a few practical um uh, conflict resolution strategies that you can do with your kids. So wait until they're, I mean, don't do this while they're in the middle of a huge battle, but when things are calm, you can uh, develop these conflict resolution strategies with them. So talk it over with them, some healthy ways to resolve conflicts when they're arguing about what game to play or whose turn it is with, you know, the whatever thing they want to um, use or whose turn it is to sit in the front seat of the car Right. So re remind them that when you love somebody, the goal of conflict resolution is for both people to come together and consider the well-being of everybody in the end, both people in the interests of both people. And if there's more than two people, then everybody. Right. So brainstorm possible solutions to the things they're disagreeing about. Right. So um, teach them that they can have they can have uh, strategies up front that they can have in their back pockets when they're arguing. So, um, 
you know, focus on the issue instead of the sibling. It's okay to negotiate. So negotiation is a skill. You know, if, if, if uh, I'll give you a turn with my bike, if I can borrow your baseball bat this afternoon, right? So just watch that big kids don't take advantage of the little ones. Because sometimes I notice with my own, in my own family, the big kids got a sweet deal. <laughs> so I have to kind of listen out for those um, exchanges. Um, and so what do you do? So we help them, help them brainstorm, you know, oh, we could uh, take turns or we could um, come to you or we could, um, you know, um, uh, just take a five minute break. So just come up with these solutions. And then what do you do with all these solutions you come up with? You could make a big chart, you know, a huge poster with all of their like 10 solutions, 10 possibilities when they're having a conflict. And then when they're arguing, say, hey, you know, look at your, um, your conflict resolution chart and see, see what they decide. But I have these other fun, creative ideas that I've gleaned over the years, mostly from my teaching resources, because I, uh, one of my side hustles is that I, I teach English for middle schoolers and high schoolers. So I often, I receive um, little classroom management tips. So these are some things that I've adapted for my own family. So one of them is a jar of choices. So write the kid's solution, or if they're old enough, they can do this themselves. Write their solutions or suggestions on popsicle sticks. And then you keep all of these sticks in a nice jar, like a nice mason jar or something. And then when they're squabbling, you tell them to look through their sticks and find a workable solution, or even draw a stick, and that will be the solution. Another one is a wheel of choices. So a wheel of choices is a a pie-shaped chart, so just imagine a pie-shaped chart with six or eight segments, and you write six to eight, how many ever pies you want, pie pieces you want. You, you write their solutions on that chart. Um, so therapists tend to use these to help kids figure out how to respond to big emotions. So they'll write six choices for when a child is angry or six choices for when the child is frustrated. So they'll have a different wheel for these different emotions. Well, you can have a wheel of choices for your kids to use together when they're squabbling, right? So you um, you have the wheel and they're receptive and they're getting along. You ask them, you know, what are six, eight or 10, whatever number of pies you have? Um, what are some ways you can deal with the conflict? And then you write... Um, write those down and then um, and then they use that that when they are having an argument you know and how they use it will depend on um, you know how old they are but in general they would um, you know they would just go to the the chart and they would have to pick a solution together from a wheel of choices or you could even number the pies and then they roll um, you know, they roll a dice. They roll dice or something to pick um, to pick the solution. So you can be creative with that. Probably my favorite tool that I have is um, that they're called cootie catchers, or some people call them fortune tellers. I call mine a, a virtue catcher or a charity catcher. So do you remember these? They're these little like paper um, games, and you open and close them, and you have little messages inside, and there's numbers on the outside. So I made one of these. And I've um, made it look a bit nicer, and I've created one for all of you. So if you go to my website, 
uh, kimcameronsmith.com and go to my podcast. The show notes for this podcast, episode 31, there's actually a charity catcher um, problem, um, a conflict resolution charity catcher for you guys. So it's a similar idea to the Will of Choices. But here, the solution is selected for the children by doing the charity catcher moves. So you have your kids come up with conflict solutions to write on the catcher. And then when they're squabbling, um, you could operate it for them. So let's say you have two kids arguing. One of the children chooses, like often there's a color is the first um, thing they do. And so you, they would might pick orange, and then you spell out O-R-A-N-G-E, doing the charity catcher moves, right? So you keep, I, I, in the charity catcher um, printable that I have, it explains how to do it. But you probably know how to. If you did these when you were kids, you'll recognize it. But they're a lot of fun, because in the end, that the option is chosen for them. So the one that I use has things like... Um, Ask, ask your sibling how he's feeling or tell your sibling one thing you appreciate about them or pray a Hail Mary with your sibling. So on the printable that I'm giving you, I think there might be 50 different suggestions for what you could fill in on the charity catcher or your kids could come up with their own. But I give you different ideas for, you know, what you might write on there. And there are different um different ones. I have a blank template, one that's completely filled in for you. So check that out. Again, go to kimcameronsmith.com, click on my podcast, and episode 31 will have this uh, charity catcher for Okay, so that is it for today. So I want to leave you with the big picture here. Remember, again, that some uh, sibling disagreements, squabbles are inevitable. Okay, they are not signs that there's something wrong with your children's relationship. They can really be opportunities to teach your kids valuable social skills and lessons and Christian virtue. And let's remember, too, that even in these moments of disconnect and strife, we can mirror the Holy Family by showing the world how to love like Christ, even when we disagree. That is how we are different as a Catholic family. We seek peace and we seek to love, even in these moments when we don't see eye to eye. All right, my friends, that is it for today. You can read show notes for this podcast on my website, kimcameronsmith.com. There you'll find tons of parenting resources, including a link to sign up for my newsletter. I'd love to um, have you sign up for that. I've been emailing with some of the readers of that newsletter, and it's a lot of fun. So I have articles on the website and other good stuff for you. Um, All right, pray for me, as I will for you, as always. God bless you. Have a great day.